0: So Money Episode 460: The Mad Scientist.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: Welcome to So Money everyone. We have a guest here today by special request. Many of you've written in suggesting today's guest for the show and I'm really happy to say that he said yes. He said, absolutely. Mad Fiantist, also known as Brandon, is here. The Mad Fiantist. It's a play on words and it's pretty brilliant. He's a personal financial blogger. He writes about everything from tax avoidance to investing and on all topics related to achieving financial independence and early retirement. It's something that we all care very much about over here in the so money ecosphere, retiring early. Yes, please. Over at his blog madfiantist.com, he shares tricks and tactics for how to become financially independent early on in life so that you can break away from full-time jobs. He's even got his own podcast, the Financial Independence Podcast. So go check that out after this episode. First, take a listen. Brandon, the mad scientist. Welcome to So Money. You're very popular, Mr. Fiantist.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Farnish. I'm excited to be here.
0: You're actually calling in from Scotland. I was completely surprised by that. I thought you were living in uh, somewhere in the States. Tell us uh, what has brought you to Scotland.
1: Yeah, so when I was a junior in college, which was back in 2002. Um, I met a Scottish girl. Uh, that was one of the one, one of the things my mom told me not to do when I (laughs) studied abroad for a year was she's like, don't fall in love. Um, and then of course I did it. So, um, so yeah, I married that Scottish girl and, uh, we just moved back to Scotland just last year actually. So we're in Edinburgh, which is the Mm -hmm. capital and it's beautiful. Uh, the weather's terrible. Like yesterday I was thinking about turning the heat on, even though it was July, it was like 52 (laughs) and just rainy and awful. So uh, but it's a fun place.
0: <laughs> Listen, I have my space heater on in my office on Wall Street here. It's just the <laughs> really? the, the buildings in the city are freezing during the summertime. So it's just, uh, it is what it is. But quickly, before we talk about your uh, your blog and your very successful podcast, I want to ask you one question about you know, maybe some of the contrast you're experiencing in Europe versus the States as far as achieving financial freedom. Is it more possible out there. I mean, right now it's very tough terrain with uh the announcement of Brexit and I know Scotland voted to stay in the union. Um w- w- but for you and your and your partner, do you f- do you feel that like this was a good a better move for you as far as achieving financial independence?
1: No, no. It's a terrible move. Um, it's, it's really probably quite hard to do it just from here. Um, it, you know, it's definitely possible. It's always possible, but it would take a little bit longer. Um, we found in our careers, like, um, I, I'm a professional, professional software developer and my wife is an optometrist. Um, and we earn probably less than half what we used to make in the States. Um, right now I'm currently working remotely for the same company I used to work for in the States. So I, I'm still making U.S. wages. But when I was a developer here, you know, six years ago, it was definitely less than half of what I could have made at that time in the States. Um, and that's, con- even though like expenses are more like, you know, I pay more for, you pay more for gas, you pay more for food, you pay more for pretty much everything. There's not much that's cheaper. Um, so yeah. So it it, w- it definitely wasn't a financial move. Um, there's a lot cheaper places that we our dollar could stretch. Um, but yeah, it it was a, it was a move to be back closer to her family. So um, I figure I owed that after dragging her to America for six and a half years. <laughs> it's your <so>. turn. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> well, and I also understand that you're very close to quote unquote retiring. How old are you?
1: Uh, Thirty four. Thirty four. So, um, okay. Yeah.
0: So maybe. Not like the retirement we think of, uh, our parents' retirement, but what is, what does retirement mean to you?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I, I I actually don't use the word retirement very often, um, which is why, you know, I'm the mad scientist rather than the mad ear or whatever, because, um, it, it really just, I, Stopping working doesn't appeal to me. Um, I like there's a lot of things that I get out of completing tasks and you know interacting with people and contributing to society, really. So um, it was never really about uh, cutting the cord on work altogether. It was just sort of having the power to do so. Um, and just having the freedom to do what I want when I want and work on the things that I want to work on, regardless of whether they pay or, you know, whatever. So, so yeah, for me, it's always just been about financial independence. Um, and yeah, so at 34, I'll be walking away from my last full-time job here at the end of this month, which I'm really excited about, but, um, it it stinks to be in this community because all of my good friends are actually a lot of people that you've spoke to in the past, like, uh, Mr. Money Mustache and Jim Collins and, uh, the frugal woods and all these other people that, uh, so they all rag me and say that 34 is, uh, you know, a bit old (laughs) to be, to be still working. So they, they finally pushed me over the edge, which is, which is ridiculous. So, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny to hear from those guys. So,
0: Well, what, what do you need to make the break, uh, to break from the, the nine to five? You write about this a lot on your site, madfiantist.com. You have a podcast, financial independence podcast, where you talk a lot about how to, as you say, break away from full-time jobs. So tell us what you needed and then in general, what you advise.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, so my goalposts, changed a bit as I went on. Like I, my first initial goal was like, okay, if I, if my portfolio can, uh, sustain my essential expenses, you know, just like the stuff like heat and food and shelter and things like that, then, you know, that would be cool. Then I could quit my job. And then if I wanted to spend on discretionary things, then, you know, I could earn more money doing fun stuff or earn more money. And then it would be just like a trade-off. Um, but after i hit that point i realized it wasn't that much more to cover all my discretionary spending too so um so i'm sure you've heard like the 4% rule which is like the sort of thing that gets uh talked about a lot yes. in the early retirement space um where you know you can uh, withdrawal 4% of your portfolio every year. And then you can adjust that up for in, upwards with inflation and it should never run out. Um, you know, it, the study that's famous is the Trinity study. And that was based on a 30 year period. But, uh, there's a lot of other research that says, you know, like, uh, it's the first 10 years of your retirement that could really damage your portfolio. So if you, if you you know survive that relatively unscathed then you know the growth is gonna take over and it could you know uh, your, your portfolio could survive indefinitely pretty much so um so that's that, that was just the rough number that i focused on and uh and again it wasn't like you know the exact number that i was like targeting it was just like a general ballpark because i knew that you know i'll be i can't imagine never earning another dollar in my life um, so this was actually like two years ago where I hit the point where, you know, we had enough that was, that could sustain all the spending. Um, and that was about that time that my wife wanted to move back to Scotland. So, uh, we so I went into my boss's office and I said, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm moving to Scotland. Um, so I, you know, this is it. Well, this is my notice. Um, and then he asked me to stay on remotely. Um, and I agreed. So I've been doing that for the last two years. So, uh, which has been amazing. It's been, you know, unexpected. It removed all the things I hated about my job, like commuting and being trapped somewhere from nine to five and meetings and all the things. And then I just get to do the thing I like, which is coding. And, uh, and yeah, it's been great. So, so I've, uh, so even though I targeted a certain number, I've exceeded that since then. Um, and I realized that, you know, it, the, the earning money just, is going to happen uh, whether you plan for it or not. So uh, I think a lot of people are really cautious and they want to like target three percent or two percent. Um, but especially when you're, you know, planning to pull away from work early, uh, you're going to have so many other opportunities to uh, for income later that you don't have to be as cautious.
0: Why do you think working gets such a bad rap? I mean, let's be honest. Some people love their jobs. They want to be working until who knows when, you know, for me, I, I don't imagine retiring anytime soon, not because I can't, but because I actually get a high off working. Like I find a lot of, I get a lot of my sense of self-worth from doing a good job. And so is the, is it that people are just not in the, their, the jobs that make them happy and fulfilled? And so that's what you're advocating is to transition from that to find something more fulfilling, or is it really working for a paycheck is, is not a, a good long-term plan.
1: I, I think it's. I think it's the fact that. Well, yeah, it's actually a little bit of of both. Um, the, I'll I'll answer your your second point first, just because I think yeah, the working for a paycheck thing that's getting risky and riskier as you know the world changes. We can see that already. A lot of jobs are being lost and a lot of things are being automated and things. So yeah, relying solely on a paycheck, I think is a risky thing. Um, but I do think that the reason people are so into the idea of financial independence and early retirement is that, yeah, they're, they're in jobs that aren't fulfilling, um, and they feel trapped and they are relying on that income and they don't have any other options. So I think the lack of control and, the lack of enjoyment of what they're doing, uh, is, is what's playing into that because like for me personally, like, um, like I said, I'm, I enjoy coding, but there's so many things that I'm tasked to do that I just don't either don't agree with or don't like, or don't think should be done. And then all my times doing that, but, I write a lot of code using the same technologies and same language for for mad scientists. And that, I love that I could do that all day. Um, So I think it really is like, yeah, finding something that you're passionate about. And a lot of times that, you know, may not make the most money, but when you're not financially independent, you, you're not going to make that decision. I don't think a lot of people, if given the option to do what they love for, you know, $10,000 a year or keep the job that they currently have that's making $110,000 a year, you know, I don't know how many people would actually make that choice to go to the $10,000 a year unless Mm -hmm. they had enough money where it didn't matter. So,
0: Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. This brings us to my next question, which is, you know, what are the must haves for financial independence? You know, what should we be doing? What do you recommend? Maybe we can start with an overarching philosophy that you have that really encompasses all of this. You know, how should we be living our our lives in order to achieve financial greatness and then be able to break free if we want to sooner than later?
1: Sure. Yeah. So my personal philosophy just focuses on efficiency and optimization. Really, it's not about, you know, um, not buying what you want or not being happy. Like, um, that was actually a, something that I struggled with on the journey to financial independence was I became so focused on that end number that I started sacrificing my present happiness just to save more money and just get there quicker, you know? And, um, that was that was a huge mistake. Um, and had I done, if I had the chance to do it again, I would go back and, you know, realize that, the money I was building up could help me change my life at that moment and, uh, and Im- improve it and become happier. So, um, but yeah, it all boils down to efficiency and optimization. So um, it, it's just amazing how much waste is out there and how many people are just spending money on things that don't actually make them happy. So like throughout this whole journey over the last like 10 years, it's, it's really been trying to figure out what actually does make me and my wife happy and then try to align our spending with that. So, you know, we've owned two homes over our, you know, our relationship. And, uh, and we realized that that just adds to so much stress to our lives and so many additional costs that, you know, we don't budget for. And so many things, money's just coming out that we don't actually, you know, it doesn't increase our happiness when we're spending it. So, so we've just, uh, just last year we sold our house and we've been renting ever since. And that has been a huge increase, uh, uh in happiness for both of us. Um so yeah, it's just really trying to figure out what makes you happy, which is a lot harder than it looks. I actually read an article called Happiness Through Subtraction and it talks about sort of the studies in happiness and subjective well-being and things like that and how we're just so terrible at figuring out what makes us happier, but um the there's a book called Antifragile and in that uh Taleb talks about um how you can increase your happiness through subtracting things that make you unhappy because we're a lot better at figuring out what makes us unhappy. Um, so at first it makes sense to try to focus on those things that make you unhappy and take those away and then keep working on trying to figure out what makes you happier. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a long process. Like I'm, I'm still, we're still figuring it out. So it's, uh, so yeah, I would just say trying to, trying to find that and then optimize your spending around that.
0: You're all about optimization. I find that people like you and, you know, JL Collins, who's been on this show, and Mr. Money Mustache, your crew, all of them, you, you don't just have these grandiose statements about how to live your best financial life. You also have calculators and grids and graphs and charts, <laughs> and it's very systematized. And you actually have a, I actually just, I just signed up for it, so I can't say I've used it yet, but it's um, your, I think, oh yeah,
1: the FI Laboratory. The FI
0: Laboratory. I'm really. Really excited yeah. about that. So tell us about how that works and how how uh, this has been helping some of your cohorts.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like tens of thousands of people are using it. Really? It's crazy. Um, yeah, oh it's, it's nuts. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, so there's a there's a really famous book, probably the most famous book in the whole like early retirement, financial independence space, called Your Money or Your Life. Um, and in that book, uh, they, the authors recommend that you chart your progress to financial independence. So every month you calculate, you know, how much you have in the bank and how much you spent that month. Um, and then you start drawing lines, connecting all the dots. And then when the two lines cross, it's, you know, it's when, um, you're financially independent. So you're say you say you have a million dollars in the bank. So that's at 4%, that's $40,000. But say you spend $50,000 a year, then, you know, you still have some way to go before your portfolio can cover that $50,000 a year. So, um, so they recommend you draw this wall chart, um, and, and then wait until those lines cross and then you're financially independent. Um, so I, don't like drawing things and I don't like wall charts and I, I don't like graph paper the, uh, much these days. And um, so I figured I'd use my programming skills and I'd create this uh, tool, which I called the file laboratory. Um, and it lets you, yeah, just go in there, just enter a few numbers and then it tells you like how much your portfolio, could generate per month in income. Um, It tells you when you can expect to hit financial independence and it has a countdown of how many days and years until, until you get there. So yeah, it's been, it's just a really, a basic little app, but uh, a lot of people use it. And yeah, it's been fun to, to maintain it.
0: How did you you started this in 2012? And how does a software developer start something like this? What what was the inspiration for you? Were you just inspired by the existing tribe leaders like Mr. Money Mustache and others? Or did you find your inspiration elsewhere? And then how did you kind of find your voice? Because I think that's one of the lessons I love sharing f- through guests is not just, you know, their their area of expertise, but how they became their, their the expert or how they became the leader in their, in their space. So how did you make the transition?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so back in 20, probably 2010 or 2011, uh, I stumbled upon get rich slowly. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Cause I've always been interested in that's money. That's a great even, title. I, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's, uh, he, he went on he was JD Roth I'm not sure if you yes, interviewed he's been on the him show. Yet. he's one, he was oh, one of my he? first
0: guests he was yeah it was one of my inaugural guests
1: nice go cool. off to listen to that um yeah so he, i I didn't even know what a blog was which is really embarrassing because I'm like you know I'm a software developer so you'd think I'm yeah that's internet <laughs> it really is <laughs> like <laughs> Um, I, I got into software development cause I liked math and was good at math. Um, so I was never really like a computer geek or an internet geek or, so I, I really had no idea what a blog was, um, which is only six years ago. So that's crazy. Um, but I stumbled upon get rich slowly and I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, like I didn't, I didn't want any sort of spammy, like get rich quick schemes. I just wanted to save and invest. And I'd always been interested in building a portfolio. Even when I was like a little kid, like I just, I just couldn't wait to have money to manage. And I was like, yeah, I'm just I'm getting rich slowly. That's awesome. Um, but I was never really saving for anything in particular, like, cause I, I'm, I'm not a very big spender and I have, I've never have been. So, um, so I think on get rich slowly, Uh, He had mentioned uh, another blog called Early Retirement Extreme, and when I found that, that just blew my mind because I I never realized that you could buy your own freedom. Um, And I was like, "Well, this is this is exactly what I'm saving for. This is you know, freedom is the most important thing to me, um, and I would love to save and get that as soon as possible." Um, So, so that that all happened like in 2011, and then. I was like, okay, so I know there's ways that I could probably get there a lot quicker if I did a lot of research, like into the tax code and uh, you know read tax documents and do a bunch of research on investment r- investing strategies and things like that. But I was like, I know I'm not going to do it unless I have some external motivation. <laughs> so I was like, well, if I start a blog, I can you know write about these things, and then the need to put out you know content every month or every other month or whatever would then motivate me to actually do this research that I know I could use to get to financial independence quicker um and also at the same time i was like and would i could start a podcast too and then i could talk to cool people like mr money mustache or jd roth who i've I've talked to both of them and uh and you know get their tips and i can just ask them any questions i want which uh so yeah it was purely selfish um but it's turned into something that i i never expected it would um and then yeah as far as finding my voice that that just happened by accident really um so I started just writing about things that I thought were important and that could help me. And that led me down this sort of like tax, uh, avoidance route. Um, and it was like, I, I already, I, my spending was already low because I was, I've never been a big spender. My income was quite high and I was working to increase that, but I didn't really have any other ways to get there quicker. So tax avoidance was an amazing way. Um, because you know, tax avoidance is legal. Um, tax evasion is the bad one, but <laughs> we don't do any of that. Um, so yeah, just focusing on figuring out ways to minimize my taxes as much as possible uh, led to a, a few blog posts that then got really big and then sort of that's how I became more well-known in the space, I guess. And, yeah, and what, what were I think, your
0: most popular blog posts? I'd love to know. like, What really hit a chord with the sure.
1: Well, the, the one that changed my life the most and just, you know, as the research of it changed my life the most was... Uh, Uh, an article, traditional IRA versus Roth IRA, because, you know, most personal finance advice is for people that plan on having a high income until they're 65 and then, you know, having no income after 65. So it's very different to people like me who, you know, will have lower income from 35 until 65 or whatever. So, um, so yeah, it was, I always, contributed to all of my pre-tax retirement accounts, like 401k and traditional IRA and things like that, because I knew that this is the highest my taxes are going to be. I'm um, This is the highest tax bracket I'm likely going to be in for the rest of my life. So I want to minimize those taxes as much as possible. Um, but I always wondered like, well that stinks that's going to get locked up in there until you know 59 and a half or older so um, but i always just i just i was okay with that i was like well i hopefully will live past 60 and then i'll need money then so i'll just use it then um, but then I, I during my research i found that there are ways to get that money earlier uh, without paying a penalty uh, so that really changed the game completely for me and i know a lot of my readers because then it just meant all right let's just find every pre tax retirement account we can and just max them out as early in the year as possible, um, and just do it as hard as we can. So that led to another really popular article called the ultimate retirement account. Um, and that's where I talk about using the HSA, the health savings account as an extra retirement account, because it's just an amazing thing that could potentially be completely tax free. Um, and it's more, it's better used as a retirement account than it is as a health uh, spending savings account. So, um, so yeah, those are probably two of the biggest ones, traditional IRA versus Roth IRA and then the ultimate retirement account. Um, And then, yeah, just, just there's a ton of different ones. Uh, If you go to my archives page, there's a whole tax avoidance section. And there's, those are, those tend to be my most popular posts uh, besides the podcast ones.
0: So Brandon, you're on so money. So I have to ask you what was your greatest financial Failure, and what did you?
1: Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. Um, So, like I said, I was—I always couldn't wait to have a portfolio to manage. So, right out of, right out of college, I moved directly over to Scotland because my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, we had spent a whole year apart uh, during my senior year, and you know, I just moved right over, and I was like, all right, I'm an adult now, I want to buy a house. Um, So we we bought a house. We actually got a. 95% loan and then borrowed the other five percent from her parents, which we then used to buy a car and the house. So it was this that was stupid to begin with. Um but luckily we got lucky, we did the house up and then sold it right before the whole world collapsed and twenty and I think we sold in yeah, two thousand seven or something. Um uh-huh. Just like the week that we were closing, there was a bank run on Northern Rock, uh, which is a bank over here, and they were just taking out all their money and people were panicking. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, So we sold that and then we had this chunk of money. We made over 50% on the house in two and a half years, which just shows the craziness of what was going on at the time, I guess. Um, And the exchange rate to dollars was the highest it's ever been and we transferred some of the money to the States, but we're, but we kept some in the UK for when we were going to come back. And I was like, all right, well we have to invest this. And I didn't know anything about investing at the time. So I think we just like combed the internet, found some guy. He came over and pretty much just said, yeah, these are like the four funds that performed the best over the last whatever, five years. And he put all our money into that. Um, the fees on it, when I learned after you know, after a few years of being in it and just realizing how terrible they were, uh, the fees on it were crazy. The market obviously tanked in 2008. So then we had half the money that was left, but we couldn't get it out in five years. Otherwise, we would have paid a huge penalty. Um, and it was just a disaster. And uh, the main disaster was that we just didn't know what we were doing and we just rushed into it. Um, so the big lesson for me was all right, nobody cares about your money besides you. Uh, don't trust anyone else with your money. Do the research yourself, figure out a good strategy uh, and try to lower your costs as much as possible because that's really the only thing you can control is your costs. Um, so that's why I agree with, you know, I just listened to the episode you had with Jim Collins and you know that's the investing philosophy that i now adhere to um it's easiest and it's the cheapest and it's the most successful so um so yeah that was a huge huge lesson and at one point like we w- after 4 years we wanted to get our money out and like we couldn't even find the guy and we had trouble getting in contact with the company and we're like do we just give all this all this money to some random guy that just took it like <laughs> Did we, this it just was happen? it was that yeah. bad yeah exactly oh my so my gosh
0: well that's a really good philosophy that I think we all understand this, but it's great to sometimes hear it said simply, which is that you may not be able to control the stock market. You may not be able to control the the fluctuations in your portfolio, but you can control the costs associated with those investment choices. So tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? And you said, you know, you couldn't wait to have this portfolio to manage. I'm like, who does, who, who thinks like that? Like, who were you as a child? Were you also counting pennies and saving and you know, doing charts and so on <laughs> as an eight yeah, year old?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, so I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, I, I have a few stories from my parents telling me like they said they would keep me busy. My grandparents had a pool in ground pool, so they would just keep me all day just throwing coins without me knowing it into the deep end. And then I would spend like all day uh, going to the bottom and almost drowning pretty much just trying to collect all these coins. <laughs>
0: That's how you learn um, how to swim, though. It's great. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I'm a great swimmer.
0: Free swimming um, lessons.
1: Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, there's another story that... uh it was a somebody's wedding and then i guess one of my uncles asked me to go get him a drink and then when i came back he gave me a buck as a tip to get the drink so then i spent the rest of the night like getting beer for all my uncles that were (laughs) you know uh not scared of me drinking the beer as a whatever five or ten year old i don't even i don't even remember how young i was but uh but yeah so uh so there's lots of stories like that um and i was always into math and stuff as a kid um and my dad he bought me four shares of stock when I was uh, less than 10, I think. So I would you know, look in the papers and check out my stock prices and things like that, which was great at the time. But I still have these shares. And it's the most annoying thing in the world that I have to like remember to file them on income taxes and stuff. And I don't know where the certificates are. And I don't know how I can sell them. And it's just like, it's like the worst thing now. But I think it really set me up for uh, for success later, which is great.
0: You're not the first person who said that their parents bought them a piece of stock when they were a kid and that seems so crazy as a parent like i'm going to buy my kid a stock certificate when we're, first of all we're living in an electronic age so what is it even a do can you even get a stock <laughs> certificate and second like does how do i even sit down to explain how this works to a child but the truth is if you it can be done parents have done it and it's one of those moments in your childhood that as an adult, I think you'll never forget. And I think if you have that kind of a parent, uh, I think that says a lot about the household you're raised in. So that's a real, that's really cool. What was the stock?
1: Uh, so it was four, four shares. So it was Disney, Wendy's, cause I guess I was really into <laughs> Wendy's hamburgers at the time, uh, Pepsi and my dad's company that he worked for ADP. Um, cool. so those are the, those are the big four. And I, I've successfully sold, a couple of them. Somehow I got a letter saying, Hey, we'll just take these off your hands at <laughs> like 70% of what it ever costs. And I was like, yes, I just need to, I need to stop worrying about these at tax time. So.
0: Right. Right. Did they, how, how much did they grow in the 30 years or so?
1: Not much, just enough. To, like I, I still got, I still get, uh, dividend checks of like $4 and stuff. So they, uh, they obviously didn't grow too much. Um, But yeah, it was it was at least enough to get me interested in it.
0: So now what's your plan for your it's a new chapter in your life? I'm not going to call it retirement, but, you know, you're (laughs) you're you're leaving the job, the full time job soon. What do you imagine? What do you envision your day to day to be like?
1: Yeah. So it's it's going to be a bit different at the start. Uh, my wife and I are going to start a big like around the world trip in the middle of September. Um, and that'll probably take us until Christmas. So that'll be like the the initial start of it. But that won't be like the, our new life. Um, no, hold we'll on a second. S- Is
0: she going to quit her job too? All that school? <laughs> you don't just become an optometrist. <laughs> they don't give you <laughs> no, those certificates she, she, for free. You got to you know pay back those loans.
1: Yeah, I know. Well yeah, luckily she doesn't have any of those. Uh we sh- she paid the she uh well she didn't have any in Scotland because they get to go to school for free. But when she moved to the States, then she had to go back to school there to requalify, which is insane. And yeah, that was expensive. But yeah, she has no loans or anything. Um but yeah, she loves eyes more than I think anyone loves eyes. <laughs> um so yeah, she'll she'll definitely keep working. So uh but she's gonna quit her current job um so that we can do this big trip and maybe hopefully use that as a negotiating tool, you know, if they wanted to come back when we get back in January and things like that. Um, but yeah, so we'll come back in January. Um, I have a lot of projects I want to work on, uh, a lot of software actually. Um, uh, you know, the fire laboratory was so fun to build and a lot of people are getting use out of it and really enjoying it. So, uh, creating some sort of free software that helps people on this path or helps them stay motivated. Um, I've talked to some of my other friends in the, in the space and maybe collaborate with one of them. Um, and yeah, just, uh, really just start working on things that are important to me, like, um, uh, really into music, you know, play like lots of different instruments that I'd like to really focus on and get even better at, um, and more creative things. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's I haven't laid out exactly what my day to day life is going to look like, um, but I'm looking forward to figuring it all out. My
0: uh, parents are currently retired or i guess uh, sort of retired but one of the things that they're in their like 50s and 60s and i think that they never really thought about what they're going to do once they're not working full time and and now that they're together again <laughs> facing each other in the house all day long so
1: right right Yeah, no, I had uh, Todd Treseder on my show and he said a really good quote that I've been sharing with a lot of people since I heard it. Um, It's really important to retire to something rather than retiring from something because I know a lot of people in the financial independence or the retirement space, they're just wanting to retire from their job because they don't like their job. And it's like, you know, I'll be happy once I get away from my job, but it's really not the case. You really, you know, if you have, there's a lot of reasons for your unhappiness probably that aren't job related. And then when you have you know, 24 hours a day to think about them and try to, you know, you're confronted with them when you don't have the dis- distraction of a job. Then you you may be unhappier than you were even when you're working. So having something to retire to, I think, is really important, and that's uh, and that's definitely been a huge focus uh, for the past two years. Ever since I knew that this this was imminent. So,
0: well, Brandon, thank you so much. We wish you the best. I mean, we know we're going to be following up on this on your on your blog and if anyone wants to find out how retirement's going for you uh, just listen to Brandon's podcast he is the mad scientist and uh, we really appreciate you sharing your story with us and congratulations
1: thanks yeah thanks for having me on this is a lot of fun I appreciate it
0: that is the Mad fiantist His website is madfiantist.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Madfiantist. Go to somoneypodcast.com if you missed anything or you want to download the transcript or leave a comment. would love to hear from you. And if you've got a money question, hit me up. Click on Ask Farnoosh and that's how we shall connect. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your day is so money.